I'm not going to lie. I loved it. I hated it, but I needed it. And you're going to need it in your life. We're talking to hell with the hustle with Jeff Bethke here right after this. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey, welcome back for another episode here on Book Circle Online. And today we are going over an incredible book, an incredible book that will change your life in the way that you live your life, especially if you're one of the so many people out there that is always going after something. And I know for me personally, I'm a very driven person. So mm-hmm. this book hit very hard to hell with the hustle with Jeff Bethke. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Thanks I appreciate you coming in. Uh, congratulations first. Mm. I always want to say that whenever someone does something like this, because I know what, two years books are in the easy. making. Yes. Takes about two years, which is always funny too, right? Because by the time it comes out, you know, it's like trying to process when was that how what mm-hmm. happened but yeah it's been fun mm-hmm. absolutely and so we're going to be going through this i i, I loved it thanks man. I, I really did i you know i consider myself someone who you know always is about the hustle yeah and it, it's you know i have so many things to say but if you guys are joining us you're probably joining us live uh and you might be joining us afterwards either way use those comments use the the likes the subscribe mm-hmm. we're actually going to be having this live chat open so if you're here watching comment and be able to mm-hmm. join in on the chat you're almost like another co-host that we'd like to have if you guys are joining us afterwards leave those comments that like subscribe we offer so much content here on book circle love to be able to offer it to you for free and now we take a little bit of a break because that's what this book is all about right. this book is just i, I it, literally like the entire day yeah. you know and everything time since i've read this I'm living my life and thinking, oh, am I working too much? Mm. Do you have that thought now that you've written a book called To Hell With The Hustle? Yes, and I think I think anyone who's driven, who's ambitious, yeah. these are things I care about. I own multiple different businesses and things mm-hmm. and things I care about. I got family and kids. Like, there's so much, right? Yeah. So I think anyone in that stage, anyone that's an American 21st century sit in West or anyone, really, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to butt up against these pressures of, of that question. So I think step one is asking that question. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first step towards health is asking it. A lot of people don't ask it. Mm-hmm. They're just going crazy, falling off cliffs, yep. burning out. So first, ask the question. And then two, I think we need to ask, uh, maybe, but it, are we, I think the better question is, are we living sustainably? Because mm-hmm. there is times where it's appropriate to sprint. And I talk about that in the book. Mm-hmm. I think towards the end, I talk about, you know, because um, I get these emails, right? There's, you know, um, a nursing student or a single mom or some of these other things. There's seasons and ways and things. And I was raised by a single mom so that I remember my mom having to hustle. Uh, where it's totally appropriate, totally fine. But I think what we should be trying to do is be t- pushing ourselves towards sustainability, yes. right? Rather than like this, yep. the hustle is the thing I want to be in forever. That's not healthy. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it something that I know you certainly notice in your life? Yeah. Uh, was it an age thing? Mm. of, you know, I feel like when people are young, you have more energy, totally. so you maybe feel like it's yeah. more okay. Is yeah. that from also what you're hearing from people? And is that something you experience? Yeah, that was first page of uh, first chapter where I, I we kind of mm-hmm. started butting up into that too and running into these problems, this this difficulty. And I think one thing I, I started to realize is uh, call it the American dream, call it hustle, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my wife, by circumstance, had kind of checked those boxes, right? A house earlier than most people buy a house, mm-hmm. married earlier than most people get married, kids at the age that everyone says an appropriate, awesome age, right? So I'm 25 and have all these things that hopefully, uh, or that I thought were the things I should need. Yep. But I realized this, I was in a space where I was actually busier, more worn out, more tired, more burnt out. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is I think actually like that trajectory took us there. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, 
as you go on and on, if you're living into the American dream or the hustle spirit, you're going to get more burned out and wired and tired, Mm -hmm. right? Your mortgage is going to get bigger. You're going to get a job that's more pressure. If you start having more, if you start getting married and having more kids, that's going to be more busy. So there's something about that trajectory. I just want to say, hey, let's pause. Is there something going on here? Is there something that needs to shift or change or integrate? And that was kind of where it started. Yeah. And you, you know, right off the bat, you said we followed the perfect steps. How could we be wrong? And uh, a line that I love, because of unrealistic expectations, most of us are building our lives and families on the moon and we're floating off into space without realizing it. Yeah. And that, that whole imagery that I was trying to conjure up right there is like we need, I was using the antithesis of we need anchoring, right? In the moon, you're kind of just floating mm-hmm. off. Well, no, no, we need things that really hold our life yep. down to the ground. And we don't have that. We, we've kind of lost uh, things of meaning. We've lost l- rites of passage, rites of ritual, all these different things that give us an identity and meaning. And so we're replacing those things with work, with hustle, with busyness. And that's just not uh, replacing it good yeah. enough. Yeah, because the identity is no longer in what you've accomplished. It's, you, you talk about this, the identity is work. The yes. identity is how much are you doing or what title totally. are you holding or yeah. all that. And it, it's a hard road to go down especially because one person goes down and then other people feel like they need to go down to compete totally and what do you what what's hustle to you when you think of the word hustle what is your definition yes it's totally a catch-all obviously Mm -hmm. that i'm using at some level ambition working hard all these things are great they're amazing you have to hustle and i grew up in a sports context played college baseball Mm -hmm. baseball all the way through college like in that context hustle is like the best thing right that's how Mm -hmm. you honor the work is to hustle to run fast, to go do your thing. So I think what I'm using it as a catch-all, as what you just said, kind of this religion of workism, which is what Derek Thompson kind of calls it, a famous Atlantic journalist. Mm -hmm. This idea that um, there's this speed or this pace that's alluring us that's just not leading and giving us what it's promised. Mm -hmm. And and you nailed it, that we've kind of made work, uh, and he has this, you know, quote where he talks about work is about um used to be about making things now work is about making us Mm -hmm. right used to be about material production now it's about identity production and that our work cannot hold that weight our work cannot hold the pressure of giving us a name giving us an identity Mm -hmm. giving us a purpose at some level it can subservient but not at the level we're now doing it how do you see this in obviously you know you live in hawaii so i want to (laughs) say you know it's a little different culture than maybe the continental 48 but even just the u.s in general i feel like has a different culture than the world on this of we're always wanting to work, always yep. doing more. And people say, oh, if you go overseas to other countries, they only work 30 to 40 yep. hours a week. Here, especially yep. in LA, a lot of people, you're working 60, 70, 80 yep. hours a week. Do you see it play out differently, it, specifically here in the US for this book? Yeah. I would say the West, so then you can put Europe yeah. into that. I would yep. say the modernized world mm-hmm. or the industrialized world. And I dig it out in the book and some other places where the Industrial Revolution at some level is quite a... Um, centering point on when this shift started to happen. Yep. And because what the Industrial Revolution did is it disrupted and disintegrated everything, right? You know, you had families working together in a craft. They were either blacksmiths or they were farmers. They were something of this nature. Now for the efficiency of profit, capitalism, and making a lot more things for a lot more people that live here, we now kind of disintegrated all of that. Now it's mm-hmm. about ripping each other apart, hyper-individualism, <laughs> right? Uh, and ripping all these things apart so that then we can accomplish more. Because you can't. You can accomplish more mm-hmm. in an individualized, industrialized society society i just ask is that the more we want and that's i think the big question we have to ask yeah i forget who you quoted in the book i think it was 1915 of oh, yeah, someone john keynes sa- someone saying yeah. what are we going to do with all this free time yeah yeah he's the famous economist john keynes i think he was i think that quote was even him standing before like some secretary of agriculture <laughs> or the state or something and yeah that's what it was he was basically saying because then you got you that's the exact era of all the labor saving mm-hmm. devices you know the dishwasher the things in yes. the home all these different things yep. and all of those were coming in a f- huge sweep pretty immediately and he was looking at 
at that and kind of saying, oh my goodness, this is actually saving us so much time, we're not going to know what to do with all the free time. And that's just like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we laugh at it now because yeah. it's the opposite. We replaced all that free time yep. with the religion of work. So, Absolutely. You know. I, I will, well, we'll go into kind of what you say are some great things that you can do to be able to kind of rid yourself mm-hmm. of this mentality. But I want to talk personally of like you, you know, for you two years making this. Yeah how many months or years before that was this kind of mentality setting in of realization? Good question. Yeah. So that first chapter, that first story that I told earlier, that was probably four years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. something like that. So yeah, four or five years ago, uh, probably right when we moved to Maui because we moved out there and then it it showed itself as more exacerbated because I was kind of speaking and traveling a lot. And when you live in a speck in the middle of the ocean, Mm -hmm. it's not easy to just like commute travel, right? This is a small known fact people don't know, but Maui is more Hawaii is more in the middle of nowhere than anywhere else in the world. Meaning really? there's more there's more ocean and water yeah, space. It takes you longer to get from everywhere. Anywhere. There's more water space than anywhere else in the ocean. So, uh, And I think Maui's like eight miles across. So you are just literally a speck mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean. And uh, trying to travel for work for that kind of re- made me realize how ridiculous that was. And then kind of made me ask those bigger, deeper questions. So uh, how much was that, you know, traveling for work? And obviously this was something you, it mm-hmm. was 2012, yeah. you had the video mm-hmm. that really took off. Yeah. Do you think, how much of a role do you think success plays into hustle of people think when they achieve success that yeah. the hustle will stop and it almost starts? It's the opposite. And there's been, I didn't put this in the book, but there has been stats and there has been studies completely showing that, that the people at the most executive level mm-hmm. work the most, mm-hmm. right? That they actually, it's the opposite. You 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 think that there's more, there, I think it, there's some weird cocktail or conjuring of power and responsibility and the religion of work and all these different things. You put that all together and it actually is the lie or that reverse of what you just said, which it gets worse and worse and worse rather than better and better and better, which it should if we think we're working to work less or something. Mm-hmm. How hard was it for you to be able to follow this? Uh, I, I wouldn't say was, is hard to follow is. this. Okay. I, and, and here's why. I make that argument in the book. Uh, I think the, the, the antidote to the hustle is robust practices. And I come from the Christian tradition, so I'd mm-hmm. call that spiritual practices. Yep. Um, but for me, in the Christian tradition, you see these spiritual practices that have kind of been around for thousands of years that we've lost, like uh, silence and prayer and solitude and Sabbath and... I, Meditation. I just, exactly. Ideal, yes. Exactly. And so things like that, they're, they're called practices for a reason, because they're actually behaviors that you're supposed to do over and over mm-hmm. and over again to form you into a particular type of person that have no finish line. And I talk about that in the first chapter, where we've really kind of shifted a life of practice to now a life of goals. And that's a very different Mm-hmm. way to live because goals are about finish yes. lines goals yep. are about results goals are about metrics and then when you run the marathon that you had a goal for you just you're done your goal's over you mm-hmm. move on when it should be no i don't want to just run a marathon i want to be a runner that's two different things right mm-hmm. and i think that's like that with all the things we care about in life that we should they should be hard for us or we should be practicing them forever there's no there's no finish line well from a spiritual standpoint too is that it's you know genesis the very beginning when it works yeah. six days at least take one day mm-hmm. off and rest and even I, I remember hearing this about with using crops of use yeah. You're supposed to like take six years and plant yeah. crops and then give the crops a year break, not yes. planting. Yeah. And we're always trying to, you know, look at the world outside. You have energy drinks. You yep. have everything, caffeine. I mean, everything yeah. is trying to keep you going totally. to be able to accomplish more. Yeah, that's the Jewish uh idea of, I think it's called Shemitah, I talk about in the book, which every seven years, mm-hmm. you're supposed to give the crops yep. an entire year yep. off. And then every 49 years, which is kind of called the Jubilee year, it's like the, the Shemitah of the Shemitah. It's like crazy, right? The slaves get set free, yeah. debt gets taken yep. care of. It's like yep. it's this big celebration and everything gets kind of canceled. There's something to that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's natural wisdom to that because like you said, there's there's two different ways you can live. You can either believe you have limits, believe that you're made for limits, 
And living within those limits will actually let you flourish more, accomplish more, and do more in some sense. Mm -hmm. Or you can believe that you are just like a robotic machine-like drone that just can cheat the system, believe you're limitless, and keep pushing the boundaries from sleep to energy drinks to all these different things. And I just kind of make the argument in the book that I just don't think that ends well. And we're seeing that with crops, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing like the reason we have all the crazy GMO stuff, pesticides and crazy deformations and cancer going like insane is because that's the ramifications of us believing we Mm -hmm. can extract more and more and more for without giving any rest or any sustainability Mm -hmm. to our practices. I think cropping and agriculture is a perfect metaphor for basically our life. Absolutely. You got to have that break. You got to take some time Mm -hmm. away. You you talked about goals and I feel like it's, you know, the, my tie from this was goals versus purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because then what I mentioned earlier too, is I think goals and and I, it's a funny search to do. I forget what the Google, Google software is called, but it's like Google history or something like that. But they have this division where they basically catalog books and anything that's basically in the historical record uh, forever. And so you can mm-hmm. search like a keyword kind of with their, their database, kind of like almost searching a library, right? And say, you know, how search the word goals. Okay, when on a trend, what's the, what does the word goals look like? Was it used a lot in 1900? Mm-hmm. Was it used a lot in 1920? Whatever. And it only is about 100 years old. It did not exist more than 100 wow. years old. Where it existed, of course, but like no one, it just it wasn't. It wasn't common yeah, vernacular. No, exactly. And, uh, and then obviously it's only been a crazy uptick since then. And I just think that's like, what's going on there? Why? Why, why are we so goal obsessed? Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's funny to ask is like, first of all, we obviously can live and do really awesome stuff without it because it's only 100 years old mm-hmm. that it's really common, right? Like Alexander Hamilton, is a, I love him and I love his biography. It's like, that guy accomplished so much, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, how did he do it without goals? You know, yeah. I don't know how <laughs> he did it, right? I don't know, right? He didn't have a bullet journal. He yeah. Didn't, he, didn't, you know, uh. he didn't drink bulletproof coffee. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any yep. life hacks. Yep. He didn't have all these lists of these are the 10 things I want to accomplish in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And he accomplished a crazy amount of things and you can go back to anyone in history right and so i just think that's something of like obviously we can live without that kind of allure of like life hacky goal culture that we currently are so obsessed with because Mm -hmm. plenty of people have done that before getting into some of the reasons there some of the uh things that you talk about how to escape that hustle how to be able to take the breaks i want a couple you talked about is appreciating silence yeah um, how often do you escape to kind of get away from the noise? I try is, that to, a, is that a daily thing, a weekly yeah, thing, monthly? Yeah, I try. Yeah, I'd, I'd say all the above. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a couple different ways I can answer this. I think, um, yeah, I think everyone should have some type of space in the day where they're just quiet. And I don't mean that like actually noise quiet. I mean like mental noise. So I, you know, like a noise, a phone is quiet, but a phone's noisy, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean, right? Yep. So like when I say that, I mean like a cultivating a space of like, Nothing is distracting you. I you think don't have any of, outside thoughts. Yes, or stimulation that's getting input into you. And so I think cultivating a day like that, and so I try to do that in the morning. Some people do that at night. Uh, there's, I, you know, there's, that's an old tradition actually called the daily office in the Anglican tradition that does this, where they, it's like three times a day. And it's sometimes five minutes, right? I think some people mm-hmm. think you say that and some people start thinking of this crazy hour-long morning ritual that's super spiritual and deep. First of all, like Henry Nouwen argues that I put in the book, it's not that. It's actually terrifying and brutal. You try to enter into silence and it's horrendous it's horrendous right you start thinking about things you don't want to think about Mm -hmm. you start stuff starts coming up yeah and but that's the beauty of silence is you have to you have to enter in through the brutality of silence before you can find the beauty of silence Mm -hmm. and a lot of us just want the beauty of silence but the brutality of silence is actually where the work gets done meaning like i i the part of you that wants to run away from that is exactly why you need to be there Mm -hmm. because staying in that and again in the christian tradition as a jesus guy staying there where i believe he speaks to me he tells me a new name he Mm -hmm. tells me who i am and he shows me his grace that anchors me in a really really beautiful way absolutely 
um, that then lets me not be kind of frantic, flimsy, and shallow to be able to then go into the day. And so I just think that's really, really important. Absolutely. I mean, I, 100% I manifest myself and I'm, I, my getaway is camping. Yes. So I get out to a place where there's no cell phone service. Because yeah. I don't even allow, I used to enjoy flying for the same exact yeah. reason. Now there's so much Wi-Fi and everything. No, but place. I do love that. Flying but totally just, pulls you in. Because you can't, you're mm-hmm. in a seat yep. for an extended period of time, especially traveling yes. from Hawaii. Nothing it's to at do least to read a book. Three, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Nothing that you can do besides be with your thoughts, maybe mm-hmm. read a book, mm-hmm. not be connected. Yes. And so almost, you know, forcing. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Something else that I was going to add on there about uh, appreciating science. I forget what it is. But uh, another, thing that you, another thing that you said, which I love, and this is something that Rick Warren has talked mm. about, is saying no. And you say, if you're not saying no to dang good things, you're probably not saying no enough. Yeah, and that's just like, there's, we're so connected that like mm-hmm. everyone and their mom can ask something of you, right? Anyone. Yes. Anyone can reach out and say, I need this. I need it now. I need it at one in the morning. Um, you know, I've literally had people email me at one in the morning when I'm asleep because I go to bed really early at like eight or mm-hmm. nine, wake up at 6 a.m. with another email that says, did you get my email? It's like, do you really believe, do you really <laughs> believe that like at 2 a.m. I was reading that? Probably not, right? Yeah. Um, but that's the world we live in. And so you have to actively resist that. You have to actively be saying no and not out of spite. Because here's the thing. I think what we have to realize is saying no or at least being shrewd with things that you can't do things that you are meant to do or at least kind of the call God has on your life or the best version of yourself. I think unless you're saying, unless you're being very shrewd with your yes and your no of like, this Mm -hmm. is intentionally what I want to do. Because if you don't say no enough, you're basically just saying yes to everyone else's things, Mm -hmm. right? You're basically just living everyone else's life for them. And so to have to kind of be on the trajectory, you have to learn. And that's hard because there's people pleasing, there's um, commitments, there's all these different type of things. So we have to learn how to navigate that. But I just think it's really difficult in our era with connectivity and what people can ask of us. So it's just going to be like, you're going to chalk up a lot of no's with how much people can ask you stuff. It's always the initial worry of, oh, but but what if? But what if someone really needs to contact me for something important? Well, then in two hours, you'll see it. Exactly. Or in an, like, it's not yes. forever. Well, it's like the classic. So like I turn my phone off one full day a week yep. um, as like just a practice. It's super helpful and I super suggest it. And certainly I'm even going to do it this week more than any because the mm-hmm. book, like when, when I almost need it the most on yes. crazy weeks like this week, right? And um, what's interesting about that is some people be like, well, well, what if there's an emergency or what if there's, I'm like, then there's an emergency. Like I, that's just like, that's life, right? Or yeah. like, or that's how people lived everyone, you know, 10 years ago. And I think there's something about that where, and they usually solve themselves too, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you never want to live your life, like for example, oh, what if there's an emergency? You never want to make a decision based on a very, very rare statistical possibility, yes. right? So like when you live in Maui, yes. when you live in Maui, you don't, you don't, you know, you're saying, hey, I'm going to the beach and your friend doesn't say, well, what if you get bit by a shark? Well, like what? Well, yeah, I think, yeah. There's, I think there's about 12 or 13 shark attacks a year <laughs> in the entire state of Hawaii. Then there's eight islands. Then there's like 8 million people that tourists in. That's yep. not counting how many times they all get in the ocean. Yes. So like, I, like, I think we'll be good. Yeah. So you don't not get in the ocean because there's shark attacks. I think it's exactly the same with setting up practices that are just so uh, that you need to do, but not at the expense of like, oh, what if? Yeah, there was a line, I'm now uh, remembering it, from the movie Fever Pitch. Love that movie. Fever Jimmy Pitch. Fallon, Drew Jimmy Barrymore. Fallon, Jimmy Barrymore. Yeah. Where he, he doesn't have a cell phone in, the, in mm-hmm. that. And I think that was 2004. And yep. so she's that was like, a phenomenal what? movie. She's like, what do you mean you don't have a cell phone? Like, what happens if your grandfather dies yeah. or something? She's like, he's like, well, my grandfather died 10 years ago. He's like, I was actually really rough. I found out yesterday. <laughs> 
I forgot <laughs> about that. That's a great yes. line. Yes. Uh, uh, Rick, I love that movie, by the way. So fantastic. Good. Rick Warren always says, you know, we talk about the, the saying no to dang good things of like a rose bush. You mm. need to trim good yes. roses, but good yes. rosebuds for the rest to blossom. Yes, no, for that, that's a great analogy because, yeah, I know mm-hmm. roses. You don't get the roses that you know are pretty that we know at stores unless yep. you like they need that plant needs significant yes. pruning. And you, and what's funny is if you don't prune, then none of them grow. Yes, like exactly. For one to get really robust and beautiful, it has to be taking the energy and the power from pruning all the other ones to mm-hmm. direct it in that place. You That's need exactly to say no thing. to good things to have great things yeah. happen. Uh, I remember what I was going to say about appreciating silence. By the way, is talking about you know creativity needing room to come in. Yeah, and you you need to create emptiness. Yeah, and I'm sure for you it's like. The, some of your best creative times are not yeah. when you're forcing it. Not Trying when you're saying, I need to get totally. this done. I need to do this. No, it's when you take a step away, yeah. you you create space, and then creativity yeah. flows into that. And it's exactly like that. I mean, there's I've read some books on creativity, and it's like, yes, there's, there's actual legitimate data to support some of the most prolific, innovative things that have ever been invented have been invented in the shower. Yeah. That's fascinating, right? Yes. But that's the same thing. It's just, it's like, you're, you're, well, you can't take your phone in there now, sadly, but I was going to say, it's a place without your phone, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. But there's these spaces and margins. There's something about how your brain works where it has just a little space to play and it goes different places with that that I think we're losing. There's a whole other book I read five years ago, so it's even worse now. And that whole book was called The End of Absence. Mm-hmm. And that whole premise of that whole book is we are the first culture in human history to have no micro moments of nothing right? Mm. Like, like the grocery store, that's a micro moment of nothing. Yep. The stoplight micro moment of nothing. We're the first culture to just completely erase those. Like, it's like, we are going to fill every last little yep. void. And he kind of doesn't argue any serious thesis besides just like, we should be scared. This probably is going to do something to us mm-hmm. in 50 years. Yep. And I just totally agree. If you're not multitasking, you feel like you're yeah, failing, you're not failing. hustling, you're like yeah, not exactly. ahead. You're, yeah, yeah. I, that's why I, I hate driving sometimes because I'm thinking yeah. I can't. Oh, I want to be doing this. I totally. want to be doing this on my phone. I want to be checking totally. this, and it, it's hard not. to. I legit chuck it in the trunk sometimes because it's tempting. It's, right? it's so legit. tempting. And Louis C.K. has that. You know, he's, he has that way of just being like so on the nose with some of this humor. And he's like, he's like, do we like? He's like, it's we're basically willing to kill ourselves mm-hmm. to like check a tweet. Like, yep. You know what I mean? And yeah, so yeah, it's like you got to just put it away from you. Get it? Because here's the thing too. Like I think we're actually better at staying away from our phones than we think. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're we're not good at being manipulated with the exact behaviors the phone companies are inventing to get us to behave. So what mm. I mean by that is like if it's in front of us, they are good at making the, the lights, the colors, the, the everything that they have created this thing yes. to do does exactly what it's supposed to do. And, it's, and we are Pavlov's dog and we totally pay attention. But if you get it completely out of your space, I mm-hmm. think we're actually really good at not thinking about it, not yep. going for it, not running for That's it. That's when I go camping. I, I yeah. put it in a pouch in my bag and I leave it for 24 or 48 hours. Totally. Uh, how I, Something that we haven't talked about, you know, we're talking about this for ourselves. I'm sure for relationships, mm. this is even bigger because you need to be able to like get out of the way to yeah. be able to see straight in front of you. Totally. And I think that's uh, back to the, the social media is a big culprit there. Or phones are a big corporate there. You know, um, I don't do this a time, but I have a lot of friends that are in ministry, pastorship, counseling, stuff of like that. And they're saying that over and over and over again, the, the number one thing they're seeing as like the detriment to a relationship is the phone. Like that's literally what people are coming to the counseling offices for because the, cause here's the thing, your body might be there, but you have entered a new world. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that transaction of every time when someone's in the room that maybe we're trying to, you know, uh, 
grow grow with or we're married to or anything like that uh we those that kind of in and out of those moments just does something really shallow and flimsy to us that's mm-hmm. really bad that's yeah we have to learn to focus on our work focus on the phone do those emails when it's appropriate and then put that thing away and focus on the person in front of you it's more about uh not being so scattered and disintegrated and just mm-hmm. kind of being focused and intentional with whatever moments in front of you absolutely from a spiritual standpoint this is something i realized when i was reading this a question of do you think the devil is making us busy to distract us from following God. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I actually just tweeted that today. There was a... Oh, really? <laughs> well, not not like that exact phrase, yeah. but Ruth Haley Barton, she's kind of like a, a famous woman theologian, mm-hmm. uh, has written since the 90s, I think. And I just found this... Someone sent it to me. And it was kind of... She talked about this. This She called it like the vis- vicious cycle of busy. She writes a lot about spiritual formation, slowing mm-hmm. down, quiet. She was heavily actually inspired parts of the book. Um, and I forget exactly what the five steps are, but she basically said there's like these five steps of the vicious cycle of, of busy where you basically get really, really busy or you get really, really distracted. And then when you do that, then step two is you stop then kind of leaning into the Lord and God and mm-hmm. stop kind of doing mm-hmm. things that kind of center you as an image bearer and uh, your identity with the Lord. So then the third step is that you then, when that happens, then you start to fall away. Fourth step is then you, uh, you know, uh, because you're falling away from him, you're not listening to him and doing good behavior. So then you go back to busyness and it's just basically a big circle, yep. right? It's kind of like this big, vicious cycle of like, then you get more busy and that does it again. And you go back around on that merry-go-round. And so, yes, short answer. And and when you're tired, you tend to make worse decisions. 100%. Because you're not thinking things Get eight hours of sleep is like the best. That that should be the whole book. Just sleep eight (laughs) hours or more. Sleep eight hours, work eight hours. Mm -hmm. And then do you have a set time that you work every day? What's your... Yes and no. I mean, obviously, okay. I work from home, um, and so I can kind of flex and, and that. But yeah, I, I get up pretty early. I work pretty early. I kind of like to work in the first half of the day, hang out with the family a little bit, and I'll work later. But yeah, I, I still, yeah, I'm putting in about seven or eight hours of some writing, some administrative stuff, and then hanging out with the family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, incorporate this with your family? Because you obviously have a couple small kids. Yeah. They're maybe getting to the they're point hustling. now where they're hustling totally. or they're, they're, you know, doing sports or they're, yeah. uh, they I say to hell with the hustle start... and they say to hell with this idea because they're going to be running around doing how, whatever the heck they you, want. Is this important to start from a young age? Yes. Yes. And here's what I would say with that. That's, that actually is really cool to see with the kids. And again, kids are chaos. The house almost burns down every day. Like this mm-hmm. is not some idealistic yep. vision. But when you put practices in front of children as if they are just normal to them, then they are just normal to them. So like we t- we honor a pretty strong weekly Sabbath. Mm-hmm. We throw we we kind of call it the family meal, capital F, capital M, where we kind of throw this little holiday on Friday nights, and it's Love the nice that. this and all that, and everything gets turned off. We light some candles and we go into these things, and then Saturday is a day of rest. We call it so we go out and we party and go to the beach and get outside and eat good food and all that. And so that's one of many practices. But what's interesting is you put that in front of our kids, and that's that's all they've known because we've been practicing that before they came. And there's something about that, and I even know families who have been practicing it longer than that who have 20-year-olds, where it's just so in their DNA now, Mm -hmm. rather than having to feel like you get to 20 years old and you're kind of a typical Western kid or college student and you just feel like, man, to slow down feels like you're about to have to climb a mountain. So I think that is a difference for sure. Is it a shocker that, you know, out there, ADHD and how many people have ADD because that's the culture we were raised in. We're almost creating that. You're absolutely creating that. How does, you know, I want to talk more about uh, your life. You're on this tour. Yeah. Uh, you've been a week straight. Yeah. You know, I think you said you have a day off tomorrow. So yep. congratulations on taking a day you. off tomorrow and you're back. How much do you find yourself kind of fighting that and going through, cleaned uh, into talking about like sprints? Totally. It's okay to sprint. Yeah. And I think, and, and yeah, be okay with exceptions. So like, yeah, the way I like to think about it is it's totally okay to sprint. 
uh, for a reason. Um, but you're not going to, but just like the metaphor of sprinting in a race, like if the sprint makes you pass out and die before you even get to the finish line, then that's probably not a good sprint, <laughs> right? If you can yeah. see the finish line and you think you can sprint there, that's totally appropriate. But what we usually do is we either sprint and we pass out and die halfway through, or we just have no finish line. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, we don't actually like, we're just sprinting for sprinting's sake. That's when that gets back to the stuff at the beginning of identity yeah. work and all of those different things. So yeah, I think the key words is sustainability and integration. And what's cool about that is when you try to live a life of sustainability and a life that's integrated and a life that has rhythms, then what's cool is you actually do feel like you have freedom to pop out sometimes like mm-hmm. right now, right? Because yeah. I know I'm locked into place before and after with these healthy rhythms, with these things that just kind of pop me right back in. And then it's actually really life-giving and fun to go do sprints like this for really cool reasons that I only do every two or three years when a book comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you consider yourself a realist? That's a good question. Optimist, De- realist. Depends on how you define those, I guess. I probably am more on the realist side, yeah. Probably. Ha, um, but I would consider an optimistic realist. There we go. Yeah, I you think know. that's that's the best way to, yeah. to do it. I want, and I want to say that because I think a lot of people might look at the book and say, totally unrealistic. Totally. I can't do that. You don't understand my life. Yes. You don't know what I'm going through. And I want to say that of like, the, the book is not saying you have to do this. Like, you yes. need to do this. And yeah. you can't you can't work. Totally. If you get to 40 hours and it's yeah. Wednesday night, guess what? You need to stop totally. and take the rest. No, that's not what you're saying. Yeah. And, I, and I appreciated that. I appreciated the authenticity yeah. well, of the book. Back to the sprint metaphor now. I'll take the opposite metaphor, the marathon, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's different ways to run a marathon. There's different ways to train for a marathon, yep. but to actually finish a marathon, you do need to know what you're doing and you need to need to have really sustainable running. You need to, you know, any marathon person yep. will tell us the, the way you start, the way you set your pace really matters to make sure you finish the race, right? And they call that the pace and getting mm-hmm. and all that. And a lot of us, we're not setting good paces for our life. And that's all the book's asking. It's like, yeah. man, your pace is actually killing you. Your pace is not yeah. going to take you across the finish line. And so it's not saying this way or this way or this way. It's just saying, let's ask some questions. Let's look at the problem. And then I offer hopefully some solutions. I forget who the businessman was. Someone who was running a company said the best way to manage your employees is to work them at about 80%, 80 to 85%. Mm. Because then when you get busy, then you can spike that up. And you're not killing them. Yeah, and you're not still killing normal them. Hundred. Yeah, yeah exactly. and so they're enjoying it. You're getting the best work out of them at about 85%. Yeah. And then when a hard time comes, yeah. it's like, okay. And that's still normal. I really like that. Yeah. Another thing that reminds me of, too, is this idea of, because some people, I mean, I totally understand that feel of like, mm-hmm. well, I can't do that. Or, and there's some exceptions at some level. My question is, are you even making attempts to try to change it? Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, well, like, are you taking one day, one step, one day, one time mm-hmm. to actually try to get yourself in a more sustainable position? And it doesn't happen overnight. Some of these changes take five years, 10 years, 20 years. But are you on the right path? Because if you're not, then you're corroding the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to get worse and worse and worse. We don't ever stay neutral. That's literally a lie that yep. just it, you, you don't stay neutral. You either go this way or you go this way. But one example I think of is this concept of. You know, I think there's really cool blessing on a lot of people who have proven this idea of like, no, you can get more out of less, right? You can quit things, mm-hmm. you can stop things, and it still might even go better for you. And one example yep. that I love is Chick-fil-A. So yeah, I, we oh, talked yeah. about it earlier. Uh, I love Chick-fil-A. There's a, I mean, crazy stat right here. So Chick-fil-A is the only fast food restaurant that's not open on Sundays, yep. right? So they are open, what is that, 52 weeks a year? So they're open 52 days less yes. than any other fast food chain in the nation. Mm-hmm. And they, on average, per store, beat all the other fast food chains by yep. 4 to 5 X. Yeah. Not four to five percent. They literally are five times the revenue mm-hmm. per year mm-hmm. per store compared to any other fast food chain. Yep. 
That's insane. And, and two, they have 52 days less to do that. A, and the two attitudes that people can see from that are, oh, well, but what if they work that 52? Yes. How much more would they, they get? get? More. And then the right attitude is they're getting it because, because of how they're doing it. Back to the crop thing, back to the rotation. Yes. And I totally, like, that's an insane stat. It's oh, five so times crazy. the revenue of the business per store per year with 52 days less of operating. Yeah. That's crazy. And I think that should be how we want to try to get our lives to. Yeah. And I think that just gets back to, because then on that seventh day, on that day when there's a break, you're allowing creativity. You're totally. allowing refreshment. And then you're mm-hmm. operating at your best self. Yeah, and I talk about this in the chapter on rest. A lot of us have the illusion. There's two two mistakes we can make for rest. First, we don't do it at all. Like we just talked about. Just yep. work the seventh day, get more. Yep. The second thing is we think rest is the finish line. I think rest is the starting line. So we mm-hmm. think like, oh, I'm just going to work really hard and then pass out on the couch on the weekend and then maybe that'll refresh me for the next week, right? When it, There's this interesting thing in Genesis where we always say that because we kind of see this cadence of Genesis as, uh, you know, uh, God created the heavens and the earth and all that stuff on the six days and then the day seven is the day of rest the sabbath day yep um but that it's day seven to god but if you think about adam what's the first day he opens his eyes up into Mm -hmm. the first day he opens his eyes up into is day seven he's he's created as the last thing on day six so his first fill for his first full day is day Mm -hmm. seven the day of rest the day of beauty the day of goodness and what's crazy is if you know the story of genesis in the christian tradition he was given an enormous job here's a garden go make to the go make the rest of the world like this go Mm -hmm. be fruitful go multiply go subdue it go reign and go rule Mm -hmm. So he's given it a huge job, you know, just like go make it all orderly and beautiful and awesome. And that huge job is then the next sentence says, but yeah, hey, hang out for hang out for a day. You know, enter into God's rest the first day. Don't do anything yet. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually the pattern of how we're created to work, right? Is to mm-hmm. enter into a day of rest, yes. enter into a day of filling, enter a day to enter into a day of delighting, then we can work. So it's like, then we can work really good from yes. there. So it's like, don't work to your rest, work from your rest. Yes. And I think that's a big difference. Absolutely. It gets into like the, the tithe aspect too. It's the first 10%. It's not the last 10%. Yeah, exactly. It's, that it's first not the 10% yeah. that you're building on. And then the quote from Martin Luther that... Uh, Quote, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Yeah, it's almost like the when this busyness grows, you actually need to grow the things that are resisting the busyness more. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you find uh, inspiration? You know, you travel a lot. Are you constantly analyzing people or looking at people and saying like, oh, yes, in, in, in an that. airport? I mean, yeah. you're, in, you're in like the best viewing yeah. places all the time. Yes. No, I love people watching. Me and Sarah have had some awesome people watching here. <laughs> I will say LA, y'all got some Ooh, weird people. Man. Like some weird lots people. Of, lots of weird people, people all across. <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit amazing. But yes, I love people watching. Uh, other inspiration. I love reading. I really love reading. Mm. And not just for intake. I do think reading mm-hmm. is more dynamic than that. I think reading just kind of gets you onto tangents and makes you go here and think here and then read that one and research that one. I'm totally a black hole, rabbit hole guy where like if I think about something, <laughs> I need to get down to the bottom. I'll watch 17 documentaries on it and then I'll find some weird YouTube videos that are creepy and strange, <laughs> but somehow help the topic. So yeah, I would say kind of just learning and stuff is how. Is that like reading and working out? Do you consider that to be silence and private time? Well, I, I, well, I appreciate that you assume I work out. So that's really, I'm really Really well, thankful for that. I'm, that feels. I feel very blessed. Snorkeling. Yes. I, I, I feel very like I just. That was a big compliment. That was a very big compliment, <laughs> and I feel so ripped right now. But what I will say is, and I do work out by the way, not that much. Yeah. Um, but yes, and that's why it's funny you said that. Uh, I'll, I'll get up pretty early, and when I get up early, I'll go to the gym maybe a couple times a week if I'm mm-hmm. doing a good week. And when I do that, that, yeah, that space is so sacred to me. That space is yeah. so carved out. I'll drive. I, nothing gets played in the car, uh, and all. And like I love that. Right. There's something mm-hmm. about. I, and I think sometimes this is, I don't know if this is a guy girl thing, but I know it's a me, me and my wife thing where like, I, uh, like to 
take kind of like I, I for me to get really good brain space i need to be doing something yeah you know i mean like working out yeah. going for a walk the same way. or reading a book or something like that but i think yeah using an activity to almost kind of slow myself down is really helpful and i think a good tip that's a good way i think for people to start this too because they look at it and say i literally can't take yeah x amount of minutes totally. says, okay well then use the minutes that even you know that you're going for a walk mm-hmm. or that you're working yeah. out or car i know rides, yeah commute. car rides drive time devotions yep have totally. that be a quiet time for prayer, a quiet time for just yep. being in your own thoughts. Turn yep. off the radio and say, That's okay, I, gonna say. I got 30 minutes here yep. to be able to just do that. I think that can be a start. You'll, you'll realize the 30 minutes takes forever, by the way. Yes. There's something about that where it's like it feels longer when the radio's not on. But yeah, cultivating that is really powerful and a really cool way to start your day, Mm -hmm. a really cool way to look at your day, and I think that's really huge. Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for coming in. Honestly, you all want to get this book, Barnes & Noble. We actually have an intern here who uh, he saw that you were being interviewed today, and he's like, I work at Barnes & Noble, and my general manager was showing me this book and says, you need to get this book. Like This is the book. Thanks, general manager. (laughs) Yeah. So we got people out there specifically at Barnes & Noble pushing for you, and I really did enjoy it. And I will say that it's not only a book that you should just read once this is probably a book mm. that you should read once every six months wow. once every year it, it's a so. short read i mean it's 190 yeah. pages or something like that yeah. take you a couple hours mm-hmm. but a couple hours in the grand scheme of things of every six months to be able to refocus Recalibrate. on that yeah, yeah, yeah. because i heard that rosebush a- analogy probably two years yeah, ago but it still keeps feeling yeah. you and helping you totally. and i need to hear it because again and keep pruning you are all, always keep on pruning mm-hmm. always be able to give that quiet time because there's so many distractions out mm-hmm. there there's so many busy things and you know this right here yep. can consume our lives and this here and man apple how much money have i spent on apple here uh <laughs> But it's something that you want to be but able to consume your life by watching us first and then doing that. But so. make sure you listen to this <laughs> while you're out for a walk because this can serve as your exactly. silent time this week, right? Yes. Yeah, there exactly. we go. Thank you so much, Jeff. I thank really you, appreciate man. it. Guys, go check this out to hell with the hustle. And again, thank you so much for joining us, people who are watching, people who are listening. Go hit that subscribe button. Go give that like. Go follow Jeff on social media. He's always giving tips on there on his Twitter, on his Instagram. So make sure to follow him there. You can follow me at the only MC as well. Thank you so much again for joining us. Go out, be a light. We'll see you next time. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menunos, and Jeffrey Masters. Thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at BookCircleOn. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in.